And there weren't that many female DJs then. I mean, there still aren't that many, but there's enough for it to be more of a thing, essentially, where women realise that that's a career that they can actually, you know, try to get into. It's a very hard one. But if it means that other people see female DJs and then they think that they're then able to do it, that for me is just like a total win. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you're well. I hope that your family and friends are well. We are still recording remotely via laptops and mics because, yeah, we we can't get back into the studio in London. So this is how we're going to be recording for now. So my guest today is an original content creator. She is a London-based DJ and host of the Women in Music podcast. She's worked with brands such as Nike, Selfridges, Levi's, YouTube, Ace Hotel, and many, many more. She is a world traveler and she uses her voice and online platforms to demystify the music industry and to inspire others to learn more and to encourage them to pursue their passion for music. Welcome to the show, Millie Cotton. God, I was like trying to prepare myself with a the, like, you know, big intro. It's so nice. Thank you. That was wonderful. That was so nice. Oh, thank you. Thank you, no, thank, thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I mean, I've wanted to connect with you for ages on this show. And I know we did try to get into the studio in London, but here we are recording remotely. I mean, to be honest, of all the people to do this with, I was like, you're a pro, you know, I know that you used to, (laughs) well, I don't know if you still do produce your own show, but being a DJ, I was like, she's up to speed on all the audio and all the tech, she'll be fine. You say that, but actually I'm very much taking tips from doing this for how I can now record my podcast. So thank you for that. Um, oh, brilliant. Yeah, super helpful. Yeah, and that's well, I'm going to talk to you a little bit later actually about your first podcast, Keep It Candid, and that definitely mm. had that feeling of like, you felt, as a listener of that podcast, I definitely felt like I was sitting in the room with two friends talking. So yeah, let's let's see how the new virtual podcast world, <laughs> how it goes. But I'd love it for you, if you could kick it off for us, Millie, and tell us, I guess, like how you got started, really. I mean, you do so many different things, but I feel like you are one of the originals, one of the OG, like pop culture London bloggers. So yeah, take us back to, I guess, what, 2016, maybe before, um, and how and how you got started. Oh, do you know what? I would say it was like quite a bit before that, actually. Um, So I started blogging when I was at university. I went to London College of Communication and I was studying journalism. So very different from what I do now, kind of, I guess, Um, because it was very like traditional journalism in a sense. Mm. And what happened with that was I was just I felt like I wasn't being creative enough and I wasn't I didn't have like any sort of outlet where I was really passionate about anything. We were learning things like T-line and like things like that. I just, yeah, I don't think that I, you know, need to use and will never probably need to use ever again. Um, And yeah, so with that, we, I started blogging and I had a blog called It's a a London Thing, London Spell LDN. 
And then I was, of course, because what else when you're 19 and having just moved to London? Um, And I started writing about pop culture then. So I started writing about the news and started writing about things that interested me. So it wasn't even necessarily fashion to start with. Um, And then I think that's kind of the time when blogging and fashion bloggers were starting to really come into their own. And I was kind of like, I really like clothes. So I originally applied for fashion journalism at LCF, but didn't get in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started blogging my outfits and then I don't know how it kind of happened, but I just started, I started blogging about like everything from like what I was doing at the gym to what I was wearing to the gym to what I was wearing, like in Paris or just wherever I was going, I was writing about it. And that's how I kind of got into the industry essentially. And from that, I then used my university holidays to intern at fashion magazines. And through that, I made like some great contacts. Um, and then Instagram came in. When did Instagram come in? It was like... Instagram came in, well, for me, I always know when I joined Instagram, it was 2012. And the reason I know that was because, wait, 2012? It was the Olympics. It was when it was the London Olympics. So that must have been 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, I feel like yeah. Instagram can't have been around that long, but it was. Oh my God, that makes me feel very, very old, actually. <laughs> I know, I know. And the reason I know it is because one of my first pictures is um, Jude wearing a Union Jack baby grow for the Olympics. And oh honestly, gosh, he was, I know, but he was like, maybe not even one years old. And obviously now he's, you know, a big man. He's eight, eight and a half. So yeah, that is crazy. But Instagram, for me, I joined in 2012. So I think that maybe it was 2011 that it started. Mm. So I kind of didn't start with using Instagram in the way that we use Instagram now. It was very like, it was called Instagram for a reason, right? It was very instant. It was very uncurated. And that's kind of how I used it. I was kind of like taking photos of what I was doing at my internship and putting them in Instagram and they were getting like, you know, three likes <laughs> um, at the time. And I don't, I don't really know how that happens, like with the following whatever. I think maybe because I started writing for magazines people became more interested and then as I was blogging also people became more interested in that and then I would write about I don't what I thought was quite important what what I thought were quite important things so things I don't know like running for your mental health stuff that came it came like in a really natural way I just I didn't really think about it there was so little thought process I just wrote what I thought I would need to read at the time um and I've kind of lost some of that now which is a bit of a shame like I very much now go at everything from a more like professional standpoint which is well I think the whole thing's changed so much hasn't it you know like you said then yeah. when you Instagram the instantness of it and now obviously it, it's definitely become more of like well it's so many different things I think for for different people but you know even hearing your journey I guess people who don't know that story and people who just meet you know meet you or follow you online who go mm. okay you know She's a, she's a blogger or she's an influencer or whatever and it's like actually even through what you've just described through actually going and doing internships and through you know creating contacts and like those are intentional things so it doesn't just happen although you 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 might say like oh you know you were writing about what was you know interesting to you and you didn't necessarily have now I suppose people have like a strategy and a content plan yeah. and you didn't have that but you definitely had I guess you know kind of a self-drive or a motivation or a work ethic to go actually I'm going to intern at a fashion house actually I'm going to you know because it takes it takes a lot of work and even just building and creating something like a blog and committing to uploading you know regularly and I think when you first start something it's like oh cool it's fun but after a few months you know it's actually yeah it does take a lot of, of, of work and lot, self-drive 
Yeah, to be so committed to something, I feel like a lot of people start things and they don't then continue them. They don't see the results straight away. And then that makes them not want to continue because unfortunately now we very much expect overnight successes. And that and like for every person who's successful, there's probably almost like 10 years behind them Absolutely. of like very, very hard work that we haven't seen. So I, yeah, I came to London. I think that was probably the best thing I could have ever done. And that was by mistake. I sort of failed my <laughs> A-levels. Um, not, it wasn't obviously very unintentionally, but I was quite sick up until I was 17. And then I started to get better at like halfway through a sort of year 13, which is obviously a crucial time to be studying. And rather than studying, I had this like newfound lease of life and I was like going out and getting drunk. And I was predicted, I think like three A's what did I get? I got like two B's and a C. So I didn't get into my university place. (laughs) Obviously I was devastated. So I was supposed to go to Bristol to study philosophy and psychology. Right. It couldn't be like any more different to then what I ended up doing. And then I took a year out and realized that like, I I had to retake my exams. Um, But I took, I took a year out, realized that I loved writing and that's kind of what I wanted to do. So applied to be in London. I didn't really want to be anywhere else but London and got in, luckily. Um, and so, yeah, I did that, came to London. And then as soon as I was here, because I'm not from, like, background-wise, I, did, I didn't grow up in, like, a particularly wealthy family or anything. So I was kind of, like, on, like, full grants or whatever. And then I was nannying four days a week as well as going to uni. Um, and then aside from that, like, I was using all of my, like, half-terms or breaks to intern because I was like well I'm here I have the I have a loan to kind of cover it and this is going to be the only time I'm realistically going to be able to afford it Hmm. and I think that's something that was so lucky to be in London for because I didn't have to pay to get into London I was already here in my holidays um which yeah I don't think if you if you're outside of London it's definitely not as easy or especially if you can't afford it yeah I think that's the difficult thing actually with this London-centric thing is often maybe I'm guilty of this as well because I you know work in London and it's almost like everything seems to happen in London you know whether it's events whether it's Mm. going to you know members things or even just races I don't know there's obviously the rest of the UK has all of these things but I think in terms of access and especially with creative industries I think perhaps it might be different in different industries but I think in creative industries people just feel like they have to flock to London to get these opportunities yeah I I mean it is really unfair but I do really think it's how it is it's you know most of the big publications are here most of the big fashion houses in the UK are in London like it's just how we are it's the same in Paris and like France isn't it it's I don't know everything sort of centres around London. I think Manchester's becoming quite good for it fashion-wise as well. But when it comes to even things like in music, recording studios, obviously I know that I now predominantly really work in music, but at the same time, most things do happen in London. So it's a great place to be for university, even if a very expensive one. Mm, But so I did that. And then I graduated uni and did a master's. And honestly, my master's was very much just like delaying real life. yeah okay um if I'm gonna be like yeah totally honest about it a very expensive way of doing so but um it was a good way to because I had really created this really like strong foundation of like a small following where I was starting to work with brands I absolutely loved and I was like if I could just have a bit longer to try and do this I might be able to like you know get something out of it so again I was at uni and I was nannying part-time but it was the weirdest thing because I would be nannying in the evenings and then I would finish at like I don't know like seven 
And I'd quickly get changed in their bathroom. I'd rush to like an industry event to try and like meet some new people or whatever. And then, yeah, it was just like two different worlds for a while. It was very, very strange. And then when I finished uni, I was able to quit nannying, I think after like six months. So I never really went and got like a nine to five job apart from interning. I knew it was never what I really wanted to do. And then as soon as I started working, doing what I did, well, doing what I do essentially, I was going to events and I was seeing girls DJ and I've always absolutely loved music. Like I was always a performer as a a child. Um, And yeah, I, I was seeing women DJing for the first time at fashion events. And I was, yeah, like, I was wondering I love... about the DJ and I was wondering about that. I didn't yeah. want to jump in, but I was like, when slash how slash I know, who? I know. Like... I'm sorry it took so long. <laughs> no, it's but fine. It it's just because been, I know I've known you as a DJ and I've seen you obviously DJ at so many of the events that I go to and, and you've DJed at a lot of um, fitness events too. So I just was thinking, I was like, when did that come in? So yeah, tell us. Or when did you find your DJ skills? Um, so I've, I've kind of always, I started getting into it when I moved to London because I was going to nights where they played house music and like I realized how connected I felt to music in this very like obsessive way where I would learn about the DJs and I would learn about I don't know everything to do with them it became like quite obsessive and I was always the friend who was like let me put on the music at like a party or the friend who like was sending their friends songs like obsessively um most of which I'm sure no one really listened to (laughs) but I thought I was you know doing them a service of some sort Um, And then I started making mixes on my laptop with like a small controller that I think I got bought for a birthday present when I was like 22, 23. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I started going to these events and I saw other women DJing. It was the first time I'd ever seen female DJs. So this was like seven, six, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And there weren't that many female DJs then. I mean, there still aren't that many, but there's enough for it to be more of a thing essentially where women realize that that's a career that they can actually you know try to get into it's a very hard one Mm. but it's definitely doable whereas I didn't even realize it was an option when I was younger I didn't know that that was something I thought men were DJs and all DJs were men because I'd never ever seen a DJ yeah Yeah. pretty much until probably around that time do you think that social media definitely, uh, you know, kind of helped with that visibility? Because I think that I I follow, I've actually followed quite a lot of female DJs. I probably follow mm. maybe 10 female DJs on Instagram. I love music as well. I've always loved music. And I was nodding along when you were saying about sending your friends tracks and stuff, because that's me. <laughs> I send people playlists. I'm like, guys, I just created this whole playlist for you. They're like, no one no one asked you for that, but okay, cool. Um, and so I think, yeah, I, I follow loads of female DJs. And it's interesting because I think that the whole Instagram slash fashion slash music like it kind of there's like this cool blend where it's like oh by having this cool female bomb rocking looking chick it's like making our event cooler it's making our brand cooler do you know what I mean yeah absolutely and I do think it is slightly this thing where maybe brands do sort of play on the gender aspect of it but do you know what? I'm getting booked so I don't really care like good for you yeah that works like if it means that other people see female DJs and then they think that they're then able to do it. That for me is just like a total win. Yeah, absolutely. Regardless of absolutely. Yeah, whether they're just booking me because I'm female. <laughs> I mean, Which I'm sure they're because, not because also you're well, very yeah. good. Yeah, of <laughs> course. But I mean, no, I think it's I think it's a good thing. But um, when you so you started, you know, mixing and doing that on your own. When did you a get the confidence to kind of tell people like, yeah, I'm DJing now? And b, how did you book your first gig? Um. So how did I get the confidence? I started just 
putting mixes online. And actually what I did was you used to be able to put your SoundCloud onto the front page of your blog. So I was shamelessly self-promoting my mixes by them coming straight on when anyone went to read my blog. Um, That's genius, genius. Well, they ended up with a lot more uh, hits than I probably get now, to be honest. But um, no, it was a good way to do it. And then it sort of just happened, to be honest. I was on a trip with Nike and it was just this most incredible trip in Sweden. And I just remember sitting outside in the sun and there were DJs like at this event that Nike had put on. And I was like to the uh, the PR women who we were with, who like I still know quite well now. And like we, yeah, we talk quite a lot. And I was just like, I think I could like, I could definitely do that. And I would really love to do that. If you ever have anything that you think you might, that I might be able to do, could you just maybe think of me? And then literally two weeks after getting home from the trip, they booked me to play six weeks in their Chelsea store, which as far as like first gigs go. <laughs> I bet you're like, was, okay, uh, I need to, yeah. I'm doing this now. Oh my God, it was very much like I'm doing this now. So I actually went and I had had some lessons beforehand, but only like about four hours worth. So I went and had about another four hours worth of lessons before I started. And then, yeah, I just went and did that. And honestly, I've never had a better time to let the thing with DJing is you can do it in your bedroom and that's fine like you'll do the perfect mix but go and do it in front of other people it's totally different not even in store so much because you don't get much of a reaction like you might get the person that gives you a thumbs up or like a thumbs up or be like oh I love your music which is absolutely lovely so it's not quite the same as playing like a huge crowd but it's still being forward facing and that in itself if you've never done it is enough to sort of like well, especially, I don't know, I find this, it might not be other people, but I found that then suddenly doing it in front of people made me quite nervous. Mm, so the only way to get over that is to continue to do it. And it's just mm. like anything, the more you do it, the more you get used to it. So I did six hours every Saturday. It was such a long gig every every Saturday for six weeks, but it was the best thing that I could have ever done to be in front of so many people for such a long time every week consistently. And then yeah, and from, six hours is a long time to even, you know, for example, it's such, just, a such a long time, even if you're just going to practice and concentrate, which I'm not going to yeah. lie to you, Millie, I feel like I'm a little bit embarrassed to say this to you as you are a professional DJ. But basically <laughs> I had this, you know me, I like, I love to just volunteer myself to do everything because I'm a yes person. And as yeah. I said to you, I love music and I love to make playlists. So I probably thought naively that that's the same as being a DJ. And so I once volunteered myself to DJ with AJ. Obviously, you know, AJ do do yeah, very well. Amazing. Yeah, so I once volunteered myself to DJ with her at the end of an Adidas City Runs event. Now I remember she was, this. I remember oh this happening. Oh my gosh! Okay, I don't know how the and I don't know how people allowed this to happen, but essentially what happened was <laughs> I had said to AJ, AJ, I'd love to learn to DJ. That was what I said. I would like to learn. So fast forward like two weeks and somehow we are DJing a gig. And basically she said to me, she had promised me that she was going to teach me and give me lessons at her boyfriend's house at the time, her boyfriend, who was a DJ, international superstar DJ. Like I'm talking big time DJ. So Mm -hmm. we go to his house. She pretty much just goes, oh, this is the deck. This is what you do. And that was it. And I was like, AJ, that wasn't a lesson. And secondly, oh my gosh, I have to practice. So basically I practiced on my own for maybe like 90 minutes. And the fact that you've just said that you did six hours straight, like to concentrate and to to just to listen and to be switched on for that long is really difficult. But basically the end of the story is that when we did that 
event which I'm, I'm actually embarrassed that you actually were there but we did this <laughs> we did this we did well, this when event I said it's six hours at Nike it doesn't mean there were a good six hours at Nike like <laughs> okay well you're very kind but basically what happened was AJ and I AJ and I essentially DJed at the end of this race but every time someone came up to the DJ uh, van we were on the roof of a van that mm-hmm. someone would come up after the race and be like hey Adrienne and I'd just be like shush go away shush because I was thinking I'm listening I'm listening to the thing and I need to make sure that the next track starts at the right time I was like shush so anyone that basically came to say hi to me just got my hand in their face just telling them to go away and I basically stood there panicking for the entire 90 minutes until it was over it was very traumatic (laughs) it does get better that's all I can say but that was my first last and only ever DJing gig so so it wasn't it wasn't for you then maybe well, I just think I definitely need, if I was ever going to do it, I need lessons. I was like, you can't just go, oh, get up and try. It's not karaoke. Um, so, yeah. The fact that's, is- uh, the, you sort of just have to get up and try that because I don't think, like, I still make mistakes and I've been doing this for ages. Like, I did a live the other day for the first time on Saturday night and I made a mistake in the middle of it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is my first live. I've not made a mistake in, like, God knows how long. And I've just done it on the Internet. And like who saw that and it made me like totally neurotic. But it's just one of those things where everyone makes mistakes and Mm. you sort of just have to get over that. Like it's just human error. Mm. Not everyone can be perfect all the time. And so, yeah, but I think definitely when you start, you're slightly more neurotic than you are when you've been doing it for like quite a long time. It becomes a lot more sort of like fluid rather Mm. than like having every song lined up that you know that you're going to play and you know how you're going to mix it in and it becomes like a lot more fun. (laughs) Great. Okay. Well, that's good. And I also think it's like, depending on the genre that you like, obviously you mentioned house music. Like I think it's definitely, you know, you've got to play the stuff that you like. Right. And I love R&B and I love, you know, pop. And I was kind of, I think I started, I set this bar very high because I was like, Oh, I want to mix, you know, this Gwen Stefani track into this Snoop Dogg track. And then I want to have this. And it was kind of like, Adrian, you need to just, yeah. That's in, like incredibly hard mix that, exactly that's what I'm like, saying yeah R&B is not generally like that mixable if you know what I mean in a sense of like blending the music there, there are clever ways of transitioning but it's not so much blending. yeah I learned that the hard way Millie I learned that the hard <laughs> way I was like oh there's no introduction because the intro is actually vocals anyway we digress but you are a wonderful <laughs> DJ now and you get to yeah work with all these brands you get to travel you get to do festivals like I, I feel like I honestly feel like it's one of my one of my dream jobs, but I'm just, I have so many. I have so many. It is incredible. Um, I feel incredibly lucky to be able to sort of you know play music to other people for and make money from it. That's it's something I never imagined was possible. In fact, but yeah, it's not all you know amazing. I do still do some very very long gigs, like all my residency gigs, which I don't tend to put everywhere every time I do them because I do them every week, so it gets a mm-hmm. bit boring for other people. But they're all like five hours long. Um, it's not all like glamour, <laughs> but it is well, you, Yeah, and you make it look very glamorous because you're glam. Um, oh, but I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to talk to you now about about podcasting and about your podcast. Mm-hmm. So your first podcast, which I think we mentioned already, keep it keeping it candid with yes. Sophie Milner. I think that was well. I mean, I used to tune into that podcast. It was a very popular show, and I think the key is in the title, right? Keeping it candid. It was very candid. You talked about current topics. It was. It was bi-weekly and I feel mm-hmm. like you've yeah you felt like you were in the room literally listening to two friends talk about what had happened that week in both of their lives and it was just it was super intimate I felt like actually I got to know you so much more and it, it's weird because obviously it's a one-way conversation in terms of I'm listening to you but then if mm-hmm. I saw you like I think I saw you at like the 
um, an event in London and I'd be like oh hey Millie and I feel like oh she's my mate <laughs> but I was like oh she doesn't actually know you that well Adrian. you've just been listening to the podcast religiously um, and so now you have your so now you're back with your new podcast which you've created which is women in music so what can we expect from this show so basically it's a platform to just elevate female voices in music by sharing their stories and careers because I found that when I was trying to learn how to like book DJ gigs get into it there was just no information anywhere especially for females and everyone who was booking me was a man apart mm. from obviously like fashion events but for like anything club related or anything residency related it was always men and I do you know, I don't mind dealing with men obviously but at the same time it, there weren't very many resources where I could just go and find out some, from like some information without having asking someone directly like obviously it's fine to like reach out to people and be like but people don't always have the time to explain things in depth to you so I was like I wanted to create this platform for women who work in music or want to work in music where they can really thoroughly explain their careers so that other people can learn about them because it's just not out there or it wasn't out there when I thought about creating it um and yeah there is just so like the music industry is still so uninclusive Mm, yeah, it still kind of seems very, I don't know, you have to know somebody or it seems quite far away. It's not like you said, it doesn't seem like an accessible kind of, oh, you do X, Y, you follow these steps and then you can be, I don't know, a producer. or And also some mm-hmm. of the music jobs and titles, I don't even know what they really are. Well, that exactly. So there's things that I didn't know existed that are paramount to an artist's success that, you know, women are doing these jobs and we know nothing about them. And if we were able to educate children about doing these jobs perhaps more young girls would be interested in getting into these jobs. If you don't know a job exists, how do you know that you want to do it? Yeah. Makes any sense? Absolutely. So who have you had on the show? So, so far I've had quite a few artists. Um, so I've had Anna Pryor, who's in a band called Metronomy. She's a drummer for Metronomy. It's an all-male band apart from her. So that's really cool. Um, I've had Joy Crooks, who's an up- up-and-coming singer-songwriter. She's fantastic. She was nominated for like, a Brit Award um, and then Freya Ridings was on as well she was one of my last guests and then industry-wise I had um, a publicist from Island Records who looks after people like Post Malone, Sigrid, uh, Ariana Grande. So a real kind of then, spread because yeah I think like yeah. I said with the, with the music industry I think it's often well from my perspective you know you might see the artist or you might see DJ or you might hear the word you know producer or whatever but it's actually yeah I think lifting the lid on different creative industries and giving that visibility and access is really amazing so that is going to go onto my save list of things to tune into especially this week as I'm now <laughs> at home you know as so many people are and like I said at the start of the show you know I think for me at the moment I really want to fill my day and my time well, you know when I'm not working with things that inspire me and things that encourage me to be creative and to find, you know, just new things to discover and to challenge because I just, otherwise it can just be really dark and really heavy all of the time. And I think it's really important to, isn't that essentially what creativity is? You know, it's like seeing the joy and seeing the beauty and seeing the in, in unusual things, but also in the everyday things. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I couldn't say it any better. I don't think. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. 
Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Well, how are you How are you feeling? Like I was going to ask you about, you mentioned before about, you blogged about exercise. Now I know mm. that you work out and you go to group fitness classes and I know that you do run, but is it is it, is it fair of me to say that you have a love-hate relationship with running? <laughs> I was about to say exactly the same thing. My relationship with running is just all over the place. One week I absolutely love it, one week I hate it and I can't seem to get it quite right or be consistent with it but obviously you don't need to get it right it's something that's just that I do but I can't seem to find a love for it and without being too dark about it when I used to run I was not very happy so I used Mm -hmm. to run as a like it was always a release so if you know there was a boy who wasn't texting me back I used to go for a run um and that used to happen a lot (laughs) But obviously, I'm in now in a very lovely relationship, which is very lucky. But I used shout to use to, it as... Shout out to Cal. I know, bless him. He's, yeah, doing something in the other room. Um, yeah, so I used to use it as a tool to sort of, like, let go of all my really heavy emotions. And, you know, I still have off days or whatever, but I just don't seem to use it in quite the same way anymore. But I am trying to get back into it. But honestly, I find running so hard. So I have been running recently, especially now with like, you know, it's one of the only things we can do. I've been running like two or three times a week, which is pretty good. And more than I've run in probably like the past year and a half. But when I used to run, I used to run like, oh, I don't know, like two or three 10Ks a week. Yeah, because I was going to say, I think when when I, the time I'm referring to, I think we were perhaps doing um, one of the city races, one of the 10K mm. races. And yeah, I think I remember you saying to me then, you were like, oh, I'm getting back into my running. But you definitely described it as this, which I think a lot of people can relate to because a lot of people say this to me. They'll say, oh, Jen, I see that you run. But I think they, I think people think I run a lot more than I do. But they feel like I see that you run like consistently <laughs> all the time. You know, if it's win, winter, sun, snow, rain, like cold, whatever. Um, yeah. And usually, to be fair, usually if I have a race to train for, like last year, I did six races. So there's always, you know, there's always a race coming up. And to be honest, yeah, exactly. that's why I signed up for them because I know that if it's raining or cold or I'm still going to have to do it because I'm like, okay, it's only six weeks or four weeks till, for example, you know, the next half marathon or whatever. So I think most people have this kind of cycle where they're like, okay, I'm into my running. I'm going to do it regularly. I'm going to run three times a week. And maybe they stick with it for a month or two. And then they kind of Mm -hmm. fall off and go, oh, you know what? I'm not going to run for a while, which is absolutely fine. I think it's kind of probably more normal. And then they kind of, I don't know, get their joy and their love for it back. And I don't know I think for whatever reason you are moving you know at the moment as you said it's so difficult for us um but if it's not running are you doing anything else right now to like keep fit because you like going to group classes usually right I do I love a group class I love anything where I can just leave my phone in a locker and go Mm -hmm. and just switch off and just really immerse myself in it so I love one rebel usually because it's so loud and it's so dark and it's like being in a club but exercising and that's why I love it so much but at the moment I'm doing your fit classes and they are so good Oh my gosh, yes. I absolutely love them. So much fun. And oh, that's I, cool. I have, so I put my phone like in front of the TV and then I put my Bluetooth headphones on. And I'm in, like, it's almost the same as being in a class, but you yeah, don't it's have that to worry of... about like anyone else around you, like falling over someone else or I don't know, falling over yourself, <laughs> which I've definitely done a couple of times. Um, so yeah, no, I am loving those. They are so, so good. And Cal bought me a bike as a surprise for my birthday, which is next week. Yeah, cycling, I honestly think is a game changer. I mean, I actually don't cycle as often as I would like to. So I need to kind of dust off my bike at some point. But I think to be honest, when this episode goes out, because we're recording it 
for, for the listeners we're recording it a little bit in advance who mm. actually knows yeah what what the restrictions are going to be but at the moment as of this recording we are still yeah. being told that we can go out to exercise but you know running or cycling so I think that to be honest it's invaluable and I think especially as I said my son's now at home he's been very he's doing very well he's been quiet for this whole recording but for most parents <laughs> who've got kids at home right now you know being able to take them out for an hour or you know you know jog around a field or whatever I think is is really really important and so yeah I'm hoping that it's gonna stay that way um because yeah the group classes and you know gyms are obviously all closed and it's just who I mean no I know everyone keeps saying this same thing of like no one could have expected this but I think the 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 speed I guess in terms of you know it started and like I I don't know about you Millie but I feel like at first Mm people were kind of like oh yeah you know like lol it kind of seemed like this thing that was like a bit novel and a bit like oh my gosh like the latest update and suddenly yeah. I feel like that wore off very quickly and in the last few days I feel like the severity and actually just people getting their head around the fact that this is going to not just you know be two weeks and then we all go back to you know our usual lives but the fact that we're going to be I guess taking on some kind of normality within this for a long time I think that really started to yeah hit home yeah it's really started to sink in hasn't it so I definitely felt I don't know even because when we were supposed to record this I was like oh I don't really think we should be going out or I should be going out or whatever and I was feeling really anxious about the whole thing but I've I've got a friend who works in the department of health so I think she really sort of like got it into me how serious it was even though I very much thought that it was a bit like you hear something on the other side of the world and you don't think it's going to affect you almost because I feel like, especially in London, we feel like we're a bit invincible sometimes. Yeah, I heard sure someone why that is. But. Yeah, I heard someone else saying that actually, and they described it really well because I think just because of like literally the geography of where we are, you know, mm. we we often read about you know tsunamis or bushfires or or whatever, but it doesn't affect us. And as you said, I think this is obviously it's a different kind of crisis. But now, if there's a problem like like this, you know, I think we're realizing that whether it's on the other side of the world or not, it's now a global problem for everyone. I think if, if there's anything good, maybe that will come out of the end of this, like, I don't know, I'm trying to always, you know, me uh, always trying to the see the good is. in everything, always, yeah. maybe it will be something around that. Maybe it will be something about the fact that now we are more aware that we are, you know, as much as it sounds woo, but like all connected and that as, mm. a, as a globe, there's no longer just this thing of us and them or, you know, it, it's all of us. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm almost sort of more connected to my friends and my family than I've ever been. I've never FaceTimed so many people in such a (laughs) short amount of time ever. Um, Obviously, not physically, but, you know, so like socially, I feel incredibly connected. Um, I've had to put my phone away quite a lot, though, because it's been almost overwhelming, I think, with the news constantly. And then sometimes it's like, the socialness I like to like have a few hours where I'm very very social otherwise I don't get anything done I absolutely just end yeah. up scrolling on Instagram for like five hours and five hours later I'm like oh my god what have I done with my day um, yeah so I, I totally to quite quite strict um but yeah apart from that like I've downloaded some app called house party and we've been doing drawings and we've been playing games and it's been like a lot of fun I think tonight I'm doing a pub quiz with four of my very close friends and their boyfriends like we've never done anything like that in our entire lives so I mean we have done obviously in person but it's taken weeks to arrange whereas we were like on Sunday oh should we do a pub quiz on Tuesday and it's now happening obviously we're all at home in our living rooms but we're still (laughs) quite connected which is really nice 
Yeah, I agree. I think I've been more connected as well in terms of yeah, FaceTiming, um, calling, um, even sending like photos, just like yeah, trying to keep everyone up to date. And yeah, I mean, let's see how it how it plays out. But I, I just really hope that there will be some good to come out at the end of this. And actually, a previous interview that I did was with an ex footballer called Paul, and he was saying that you know he's using the time to really commit to learning. So for example, like he's learning a language and he was saying that, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of this period, he was like, he described it in a really clear way of like, I'm going to come out of this with X. And it was kind of like at the end of this, he talked about people that go into prison and they, you know, they do a PhD while they're in prison or they learn a new skill. And he said, actually, what do you want to come out of this situation with? Because we could actually come out of it and be like, oh, I've watched every single episode of every single thing on Netflix. <laughs> he was like, or you could be like, wow, actually in the last three months, I, I don't know. Like I'm trying to think now of something really obscure and weird, not like, quilting or knitting or like they actually a skill that you would never sit down and think I'm going to do that for three months but hey yeah. who knows who knows my, what we can create my resolution last year was to learn piano and then it didn't learn piano and then in January I bought a keyboard and it's been sitting against my desk ever since and I finally got it out and had a go I mean I wasn't very good but I'm going to keep at it so that's fun but yeah it's just about doing the things that I guess that we don't usually have time for or we think we don't have time for but now we definitely do have time for definitely we've got time for netflix and to learn piano (laughs) you see now we've got time for everything yeah i've I've actually saved two hours a day commuting so i was like right i've got to use those two hours a day and, and not waste them So speaking of time, let's have a chat about the power hour, because I mean, if you've listened to the show, then you'll know that for me, it's all about that morning magic. And it's about the first hour of the day being so magical. And it can be productive, but it doesn't have to be. I think it's more about just just choosing and actually acknowledging what you're doing with your time. Because often I think people just kind of on autopilot, you know, they have to go here, they have to do that, they have to be at this place. And it's just a rush in the morning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think right now, especially if people have, you know, they haven't got a commute, you know, it's like I, I saw a meme on on Twitter, I think it was of uh, somebody sitting at their desk, like five minutes early for work in their pajamas. And it was like first time I've ever been early for work. And I was literally like, it's, it's you know, you have to laugh, right? But I figured if we've saved all this time, then yeah, what are we doing first thing in the morning? And how are we starting our day now with this new normal? So Millie, I'm not sure if you've quite got it down it's only been a few days but what is your current power hour in the morning and what time are you getting up I am so the opposite to you but I feel like you already know this I'm a really late sleeper and I go to bed really late and I sleep in quite late um every DJ yeah I think every DJ that's ever been on the show has said exactly that so I guess my normal like a good waking up time is probably like nine which I'm just like you wake up at five help me (laughs) Because I feel it's so funny because people do people's brains do work in such a different way. And like, I can't function in the morning. I'm just not a morning person. So I could wake up at five, I would be useless. I I, firstly, I would have slept for like three hours. So that probably wouldn't be good for anyone. Um, And then yeah, my brain doesn't really switch on until I don't know. But when I do wake up in the morning, I try and not look at my phone. I can't Mm -hmm. pretend like it's always the first it doesn't happen because it usually does. It is usually the first thing that I do look at, but then I very much try and get out of bed like quite quickly. Um, my boyfriend always tends to be up for me, so he'll come in and open a blind to wake me up. So I don't really actually get a choice in when I wake up. <laughs> um, and then I don't, because my my day hasn't really changed apart from now, I really just don't have that much work to do. 
which mm-hmm. is quite weird. Um, so I feel like I've had to find a new sense of purpose, essentially, and really sort of reflect on how I feel within myself without work, because I've realized that I rely on work a lot for that purpose, having mm-hmm. had that like sort of taken away slightly. Um, because I don't know about you, but I guess, of course, you're still doing the podcast. And that's something that I can still continue to do also. But I've had all my gigs cancelled and I've had all of my content creation cancelled as well. Mm, yeah. So Events I'm just, like, hmm, not really sure what to do with my day. And my emails are like totally dead as well. So even if I don't have stuff to do, I'm usually just doing admin or like planning stuff for the future. So at the moment, I'm just going up and I'm just sort of enjoying myself. Like I'm, we've had really lovely breakfasts every day. Um, yesterday we had pancakes and strawberries and like sat there for like, 45 minutes and just had a really lovely chat and enjoyed each other's company so I think it's just finding these new things within our mornings that we didn't have time for or we just didn't do that we now definitely have time for and we're making ourselves do yeah it's been really lovely um but I'm not having to get up and go to work at my desk essentially because I've not really got much to do yeah and I think (laughs) a lot of people listening to the show It is a weird feeling. And I think a lot of people listen to the show probably in that situation. And especially for people in the creative industries who right now are kind of same, you know, same boat. They might say, right, all the events that I was doing have been cancelled or the Mm. festivals or, you know, content uh, creation or brand partnerships or whatever that they're, you know, even just, you know, friends who are uh, working theatres and the theatres closed or they were touring and the shows of tours been cancelled. So there's a lot of people, I think, in that situation. And, And it's one of those things where if we knew, for example, if we could see six weeks, nine weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it's going to be, if we could see the future and, you know, once normality resumes, because everything does pass. And, you know, as a yeah, as a of mother course. of an eight-year-old son who, you know, in this time, it's really, really important to think about the language that I'm using around him in, with, the, with this, you know. Mm. So I've been kind of describing it to him as, you know, a storm and like the, no storm lasts forever. So obviously the storm will eventually pass. But I think if we could see that time and see, you know, back to normal life and kind of knowing that everything will be fine, <laughs> then I think yeah. we could enjoy this time, if that makes sense, like enjoy, like you said, having a slow breakfast or enjoy um, maybe reading a book or maybe enjoy having a lion. But I think for a lot of people at the moment that I'm speaking to anyway, they can't mm. really enjoy this period because it's not like a holiday where it's like I'll just have a couple of weeks off there's this uncertainty and this feeling of maybe anxiety or maybe feeling like I've got to do something because apparently you know if we do something even if it's just like tidy up the shelf or like doing something makes us feel like we have some sense of control and at the moment none of of us have any control and personally I'm someone who yeah I love to plan ahead I'm someone who likes to you know I, I look ahead at things and then I kind of you know, plan the steps to doing it or I do a to-do list or and that is something that I'm struggling with the most is because I can't look in my diary and go, okay, in four weeks time, this is happening and I need to prepare for it because yeah, absolutely. we just there's just a lot of blank space right now. <laughs> yeah, well one thing I am trying to do is I am trying to make a schedule, a like a very, very blase <laughs> schedule. Mm-hmm. So if I don't stick to it, it's not the end of the world because my yeah, my emotions are kind of like up and down. I'll be fine yeah. for a few hours and I'd be like, oh it's all a bit weird, isn't it? If I go out for too long, it starts to feel weird because I'm in central London and everything is just shut and absolutely dead. It's the weird, it's a bit like apocalyptic almost yeah. because central London is never like this. It's mm. obviously, it's just always very, very busy. So I think if it was, a, if we were in the countryside, maybe it would be a bit different with having 
just lots of space and not everything yeah. being quite so shut down. But um, so yeah, I'll, I'll make a schedule and I tend to do that the night before of just things I can be doing a day because I can still create content and I can still like do a mix or whatever and do all those things. Um, but it's just a case of having those things that don't have to be concrete. So if I don't feel up to it, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. Yeah, I think that's a really important piece just to add that because I'm someone, as I just mentioned, with the to-do list and the plan. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people sharing online around, you know, make this schedule. It's going to make things better. But actually, you know, it, it, I think it can. I think it's a really useful framework. But I also think, as you said, don't hold yourself to this kind of this has to happen and especially if you've got kids at home you know thinking mm. you know what it don't don't have too much expectation like set it as a as an outline but if it doesn't all get done it's fine yeah exactly I think even just having one sort of thing that you definitely need to do every day like I deep cleaned my bathroom the other day and I was like cool I've done that one quite thing like that quite big thing that I hate doing but I've still done it I don't think I started it until like 2 p.m but I still did it mm. and that was enough for that day because yeah. I didn't feel very up to it and sometimes if you're even not feeling up to stuff you know if you manage to get out of bed and you make your bed you've done something and I think yeah that's something to take away as well if people are feeling incredibly anxious yeah gosh honestly I feel like I could talk about it all day but I'm gonna um, <laughs> I'm gonna wrap it up but I'd love to know before well firstly before I ask you my closing question could you yeah. tell the lovely listeners where they can find you online so I have a podcast called Women in Music with Millie Cotton and that's on iTunes and Spotify. And then otherwise you can find me on Instagram and it's at Millie underscore Cotton. Awesome. Thanks, Millie. So my closing question for every guest is if you had 25 hours a day and it kind of seems strange because when I usually ask this question, <laughs> people are like, oh my gosh, that'd be great to have an extra hour because I'm so busy and I'm rushing here and I'm rushing there. There's never enough time in the day. But yeah, if you now had 25 hours in a day, what do you, what do you use your bonus extra hour to do? Um, I would probably use it to read. I think I don't think you can ever stop learning via reading or just immersing yourself in it. I've always been a really avid reader and I think it's one of the most wonderful things that you can do yeah me too absolutely I'm reading more at the moment in fact I used to be someone who would struggle to finish a book like you know that person who carries the same book around in their bag for like a month (laughs) and it's like you haven't even looked at it that used to be me now I'm like this whole new person I've got like two books on the go right now last night I was like oh I'm halfway through that book and I'm halfway through that book they're both non-fiction so it, it works but yeah I'm definitely reading more as well well thank you so much Millie for giving us your time today and I'm really glad that you're well and that we were able to connect um and for the listeners I hope you're having an inch well I don't really know what to say it's one of those things where I want to be like have a great week but I'm like you know what this is a little bit mad and a little bit crazy and uncertain and I just hope that everybody really that they're well and that their friends and families are well because that is the most important thing you know taking care of each other physically but also mentally so yeah that's what I wanted to share at the end and I guess if you enjoyed this episode then please do share it with um, someone else who you think might want to hear it and get in touch and let us know your thoughts you can rate and review on iTunes or you can get in touch with us on Instagram thanks as always for listening to the Power Hour see ya Bye, Millie. Bye. Thank you for having me.